You excited about the Cutthroat Super Bowl? Of course. You and me, not for the first time, not for the last time. That's right. We are uh, we're both loaded. I'm really ex- this is like my favorite fantasy league that we have and we have many of them. It's uh, it's a ton of fun. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, a cutthroat league is a fantasy football format in which every couple of weeks or so, uh, the lowest scoring team during that period gets eliminated from the league. And then all their players just go into free agency and it's free for all and everybody picks them up. And we started with eight teams. We're the last two teams standing and it's going to be a blast. We have a three week final. I think this will be more competitive than the last time we played. You just ended up with all of the good players. You got all the good quarterbacks, yeah. but I feel like we're, uh, we're evenly matched here. Christian McCaffrey kicked me off uh, yesterday evening with a nice little 25 spot, put me in a good, good place. So I'm feeling all right about my chances. Yeah. It's a fun matchup. It's basically the, you know, the 12 best players on each side. Um, you know, you and me, I have, uh, Hertz and Mahomes and Eckler and Derrick Henry and Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs. I mean, just, you know, all the all the good ones. You've got Fields and Herbert and CMC, like you said, Jonathan Taylor, Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, T- Travis Kelsey, Tony Pollard. So, like, literally, if you took all the best players, now it's just you versus me. We have three weeks. We're going to total up our scores. We're really – you and I are really into this whole, like, doing fantasy football new, different, trying new stuff, seeing what's fun. Because the old formula, while it's fun, we're just it's we're used to it. You know, it's old hat by now. We've done a standard league with standard playoffs and standard scoring and all that for so long that now we really like to tweak. And one of those tweaks that we're going to do next year with the listeners is going to be a ton of fun. Yeah, we have been innovating this for the last month or so off and on, and we will unveil it when the time is right. But uh, just to give you guys a little teaser, we're going to have I think we're we're going to shoot for three leagues. That's the mm-hmm. plan. The goal is to have a dynasty league and for the bottom of that dynasty league and the top of our redraft league, which we've now been doing for a couple of years to have a relegation component to it, where the bottom two dynasty teams and the top two redraft teams switch out essentially that you can be eliminated promotion, dynasty yeah. league promotion and relegation, which we're still, we're still working on the concept, but it's going to be a ton of fun, but very excited about the cutthroat plans that we have for 2023. We're going to have a listener cutthroat league with 16 teams in it. That's where right. Essentially you have one week elimination. We're, we're doing the league where now there's eight teams. It's like three week cuts, three week cuts, two week cuts, two week cuts, three week final. Uh, uh-uh, no, none mm-hmm. of that sudden death. Every if you're week. the lowest scoring team in any given week, you are done. You are out. It's going to be amazing. We will put out a call for volunteers. We'll probably run a little promotion or something like that. Like we have in the past to determine membership, get excited for that because it is going to be outrageous. Welcome in to It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. I'm Austin. Find me on Twitter. Still, still up and running. Uh, you know, we've, we've been through some ups and downs, mostly downs. At Real Bird Lawyer, here with me as always, my co-host Taylor, at Taylor underscore Wit, podcasting from his home studio in Kansas City. What's going on, buddy? We are, uh, we're not banned from Twitter because we haven't posted the Elon Jet, so we're safe <laughs> for now. But uh, boy, they are dropping like flies. They sure are. And uh, we're brought to you by the Pigskin Podcast Network, also on Twitter at PigskinPodNet. Check out our partners, DraftKings and Underdog Fantasy. They're not going anywhere. They're just 
raking in money hand over fist. We've mm-hmm. got a great show for you guys today. We've got news. We've got a little bit of what is happening. We're going to start to look at the AFC playoff picture, recapping another victory over the Broncos, which you and I attended in person. And then we're recording this on a Friday morning just due to scheduling issues. We're going to preview the Texans game, but like, you know, you guys can listen to this podcast whenever just to get the Broncos stuff in. You know, that's kind of part of our brand. Uh, the Texans stuff, you, we'll cover it because we're contractually obligated or whatever. <laughs> but like, who, who cares about that? Yeah. Yeah. You ready to get into the We're going to start with the injury report. Chiefs have a couple of guys limited uh, defensive back Nazi Johnson and Kadarius Tony, both limited participants as of Wednesday. They are trending in the right direction. And McCole Hardman's 21 day practice window has been opened. We are expecting him back in the next week or two. The rest of the Chiefs injury report is looking good. There's a lot of guys on it, um, but they were all full participants this week. Justin Reed, Legereus Sneed, Lucas Niang, Jalen Watson, Trey Smith, Juju Smith-Schuster, Deion Bush, Isaiah Pacheco, Nick Bolton, and Patrick Mahomes with a little right hand on the injury report. Always stings a little bit to see him on there, but it looks like everybody's sort of trending in the right direction right now. Yeah, you know, week 15, they're, they're, they've got nicks and bruises and scrapes and stuff, but in general, they're all warriors. They're all out there uh, giving it their all and, you know, full participants all across except for those two guys. And Tony even seeing limited participant is a move in the right direction. And Nazi Johnson isn't really, you know, an impact right. player. So, right. I mean, it's definitely for a – team that's vying for the number one playoff seed in the AFC. Uh, it's as good as you can ask for in the injury front. And if they don't get the number one playoff seed, which obviously we hope that they will, we'll, we'll cover that a little bit in the next segment here and what is happening. But, you know, if they don't get that number one seed in the only bye week, then you want to at least see them get through the last four games of the season clean. Like you mm-hmm. want the team to be healthy because if you don't have that bye week to kind of recuperate and, you know, get guys back closer to 100%, You know, coming through a game like the Broncos, which we'll talk about, the important thing is you got the win and nobody got hurt. Yeah, that's going to be the important thing for the next four weeks. Exactly. Literally survive in advance. Yes. Get wins. Make sure nobody important gets hurt and uh, see how the chips fall. Check, check and check. Let's talk about what is happening. So it's time to start thinking about the AFC playoff picture. I mean, we're we're like a month away at this point. So you pulled some numbers for us. I'll let you uh, kind of break it down. Yeah, so uh, 538 does some great, I mean, tons of great coverage, but uh, their projection model is really uh, nifty, and you can click on and off games and see how it changes uh, percentage odds and stuff like that. So just wanted to go through each of the AFC divisions and kind of say where those divisions are at as far as playoff contenders, and uh, then we'll see kind of where the seeds are shaking out right now. So in the AFC East, of course, the Bills lead the division at 10-3. and three. They are 92% chance to win the AFC East with the Dolphins kind of taking up that other 7-8% uh, chance there. They are 47% chance, according to 538, to get the number one seed in the AFC. Uh, we'll talk about the other uh, teams in that race, too. But the Dolphins in second in the division are 8-5. and five. Uh, They do have a 70% chance to make the playoffs, so even though it's a long shot for them to catch the Bills, they're still... Uh, in pretty good shape for the fight and Tyree kills to go ahead and uh, get into the playoffs. And then the bottom of the AFC East was the seven and six or is the seven and six Patriots and the seven and six jets. Those were two teams that, you know, were kind of 
in the race for the AFC East for a while and have kind of fallen off a little bit. I've had some quarterback issues and um, they're both 39% for the Patriots and 33% for the Jets to make the playoffs as a wild card. They are out of the division race and uh, you know, they're both uh, kind of feisty. They're sitting around, they're both over 500. So we'll see if they can impact the race uh, moving forward. Yeah. This is an interesting one because I mean, so you mentioned the Bills Dolphins, the, those two teams played this Saturday in Buffalo. Yeah. The Dolphins already beat the Bills, but they beat them in the early season in Miami. Now they're playing them late in the season in Buffalo. Completely different components there, obviously. And the Dolphins have struggled a little bit lately. So it'll be interesting to see how that game plays out. Obviously, if the Bills win, it's it's essentially over. It's I think not they bad. win the division if they because they um, would have three game. Oh, they would have the split. They have the three split, game lead right, with three exactly. to play, and I but, think they probably have the tiebreaker based. Right, on... but mathematically, like yes, it's it's, yes, it's yes. like ninety nine point nine percent if they Correct. win this game. If the Dolphins win, mm-hmm. it does start to get a little bit interesting because they'd mm-hmm. have the two and zero head to head record, which is the automatic tiebreaker. They automatically win any tie, so they just have to end up with the same record, and then there's three games to play, and the Bills still yes. have to travel to Cincinnati, which obviously is going to be a, a difficult game for them. It's going to be fascinating to see how this game plays out on Saturday night. I have a lot of fantasy players going in this game, too. So they're going to be glued to this matchup. You know, the Patriots and Jets, uh, it is what it is. The Jets have the Lions this weekend, which is like weirdly a incredibly important playoff matchup for both teams. Mm -hmm. Essentially, the Lions are creeping back up after winning four in a row or whatever it is they have. Um, I think five out of six now at this point. That's right. Uh, So it'll be interesting. I mean, it's it's a good division, but really none of these teams would scare me in the playoffs, except I guess, I mean, obviously the bills, but I suppose if the dolphins were to go to Buffalo and win this game this weekend in, you know, wintry conditions, right. That might change my perspective on them a little bit. I right. I am expecting the dolphins to go to Buffalo and get exposed and lose this game. Uh, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, the dolphins have lost recent matchups with the 49ers and chargers. And both of those games were kind of litmus tests for the dolphins as well as, as they could hang with the big boys, so to speak. And they didn't pass either of those tests. And this is another one for them. And if they do make it and they're, a half game back with, you know, three to play, like you said, I mean, that certainly puts the AFC East completely um, up for grabs. And then we move on to the AFC North um, with the Browns and the Steelers being essentially eliminated. um, They're like less than 1% chance to make the playoffs. We're looking at two teams there. They're both nine and four. Uh, The Ravens seven plus percent chance to make. So yeah, they're both in. Bengals yes. 97, Ravens 98. So Yes, correct. And the Bengals actually, despite having a lower chance to win the AFC North than the Ravens do, the Bengals have a 39% chance, according to 538, and the Ravens have a 61% chance. So there's the split for the division. But the Bengals actually have a 9% chance to get the one seed, and the Ravens only have a 2% chance. And that would be based on the tiebreaker with the Chiefs and the potential to go get the tiebreaker against the Bills. That's why the yeah. Bengals, they have the matchups there head-to-head where the Ravens um, haven't played either team. So, or the Ravens lost to the Bills and haven't played the Chiefs. So in that division with those two teams, you know, obviously the Ravens, despite being nine and four, I mean, Lamar's out for a little bit. They're going to start Tyler Huntley again this week, uh, unless he's not able to go. And then they're starting uh, Anderson or some, some idiot. I forget their third stringer. Uh, And then the Bengals on the, are going in the exact opposite direction of the Ravens. They are winning big games. They beat the Chiefs. They're looking like they're locked in and ready to uh, to make a lot of noise in the AFC playoff picture of those two teams. You know, if they if the Ravens get Lamar back and he's dynamic again and they can go out there and kind of run on some people, they'd be a fun 
interesting playoff team, but they, they're certainly not scary to me in any way. But whereas the Bengals are the Chiefs dads and I right. right. No, I I mean, obviously either Ravens are kind of a little sneaky, I guess, at this point. But I mean, they beat the Broncos by one point. They beat the right. Steelers by two points. Right. They do have the easier schedule down the stretch, which is why 538 gives them the higher chance to win the division. Mm-hmm. What's interesting, though, is they have the Browns, Falcons, and Steelers the next three weeks. You'd expect them to be favored in all of those games, especially if they get Lamar back for the next couple after this weekend. Mm-hmm. But then the final game of the season is at Cincinnati. And, you know, if those two teams can keep pace or even if – the uh, the Bengals already lost to the Ravens. So right. I don't know that they could be in a position where they'd be down a game and come in. I guess it would depend on the other tiebreakers, but that could be an impactful matchup. But both of these teams could make the playoffs. And, you know, the seeding kind of makes a difference because the division winner is going to be at worst the four seed. And the yep. Chiefs, if they don't get the one seed, are going to be at worst the three, probably. I mean, we well, and with the Titans, two. who we're going to talk about next being lo- the Titans right, are basically right. locked into the, the four, the, the AFC four. South. The AFC locked. South winner is locked into the four. Yeah. So really, they're there would be no way for the Chiefs to play the Bengals in the first round. Thank nope. God. Yeah. Uh, we'd be looking at, you know, one of the one of the two wildcard teams. But yeah, both both teams that the Chiefs are very familiar with have played a lot over the last couple of seasons with different levels of success. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting. Yeah, uh, the Chiefs pretty much own the Ravens. I mean, they had the one late Clyde fumble that cost them a regular season win. But uh, in general, they've They've matched up well with the Ravens. They've moved the ball on the Ravens. They've, you know, defended Lamar Jackson extremely well considering his abilities. So, um, yeah, between the two, I think everyone should be rooting for the Bengals to win the North so that they, you know, the Chiefs would. I mean, if they're going to match up with one of these two teams early, you certainly want it to be the Ravens. And then. The AFC South is a two-team race, and it's a it's really the Titans with an 85% chance to get that division. But the Jags sneakily are two games back with a 14% chance because if the Jags, who have a much easier schedule, win out and the Titans, the Jags and Titans play each other in the last week of the season, that could be for the AFC South. If the Titans lose to the Cowboys, which I think a lot of people would expect them to. The Titans aren't a good football team. They're just not. No. They're, they, they haven't been for a while. They haven't been for a while, exactly. They struggle um, in a lot of phases. They struggle to move the ball. They have struggled to stop people at a lot of points this season. And, and they just lost to they, the Jags this past weekend. They did. The Jags the beat them up. I mean, they, they looked like the much better team. And Trevor Lawrence is ascending and is looking like he's kind of figuring it out. The number one overall pick is uh, one of the higher rated quarterbacks over the last six weeks or so. So, if the Jags can catch the Titans, I mean, I think everybody would be rooting for the Jags just because the story there would be great. And, you know, obviously they're a much more entertaining team than the Titans are. And they're really not that scary either. I mean, the, the Chiefs had a pretty easy time with the Jags themselves. And I think whoever comes out of that AFC South is losing their their home playoff game to whatever wildcard team they face. I don't really care if it's, yeah, you know, the, the Jets or whoever. I mean, whoever it is, I think the AFC South winner is a one and done. Um uh, and then, you know, they're going to see, I guess if it's the Jags and they've won a bunch of games in a row, maybe they're, maybe they could be spicy. What do you think about the South? Well, I'm not worried about either of these teams and the odds of the chiefs playing either of these teams is pretty low yeah, <laughs> at any point really in the playoffs because the chiefs will be the two seed. This will be the four seed. I mean, I don't think there's any way really for them to match up before the championship game. Right. If that, if my math works out there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even if the chiefs are the one and they play the lowest remaining team, if all four home teams or if two, three and four seeds won, including the, play the South, right. then, then, then the buy. But one, I mean, yeah, right. What That's are the really odds the game wins its first game in the playoffs? And, <laughs> yeah, it seems pretty low. Right. Exactly. It, it does seem low. 
and the wildcard teams that we would expect to be favored over either of these Certainly. teams are, are better and lower seeds. So yeah. in any case, I'm not worried about either of these teams. I think I'd be a little bit more worried about facing the Jags. Chiefs obviously beat them and beat them pretty handily despite a lot of things breaking the Jags way in that game. Yep. But I feel like since that game, Trevor Lawrence has played a lot mm-hmm. better, and he certainly is a guy that has a pedigree. I mean, if you're asking me if I'd rather play Ryan Tannehill <laughs> yeah. or Trevor Lawrence right now, I mean, I'd rather play Ryan Tannehill or yeah. Malik, Malik Willis or whoever. Yeah. Right. So that leaves us with one final division, the AFC West. And of course, there are, as everyone knows, only two relevant teams in the AFC West, the 10 and 3 Chiefs and the 7 and 6 Chargers. And that's yeah, because really, really one, really one, really one. The Chargers are currently 55 percent chance to make the playoffs. They're 7 and 6. Uh, they're they're hanging around. They're not really falling by the wayside, but they're not really grabbing anybody's attention either. Um, the Chiefs at 10 and 3 are 99 percent chance to win the division. And because, I mean, obviously, either one more Chiefs win or one more Chargers loss from this point out wins the Chiefs the West. That's going to happen this week, I'm sure. Um, And they are 42% chance to get the one seed. So that's lagging in, right? You know, 5% less than the Bills, 47% chance. And that's because they have the same record, but the Bills have the tiebreaker. So the Chiefs will have to finish the year with one more win than the Bills, but the Chiefs have a much easier schedule than the Bills. I mean, I still think that the one seed's very much in play for the Chiefs. But even if they, if the Bills win out, that's it. You know, there's nothing the Chiefs can do even if they also win out. So um, I do think that the one or the two, there's there's really no way that the, I mean, if the, I guess if the Chiefs drop one and the Bengals win out, then the Bengals are the two, you know, I mean, because they have sure. a tiebreaker there. But really, it looks like the Chiefs are two in most scenarios, three in a worst case scenario, and one if they can catch the Bills by one. That's really their situation. I want to talk about the Chargers for a second. Please do. Right. These are so these are the Chargers remaining four games. And uh I'm just gonna go through them. They they have the Titans at home this week. Mm-hmm. Then they're traveling to the Colts. They play the Rams at home. They're going to Denver. And you know, obviously at this point, with four games left to play, any win is going to drastically or loss is going to yeah. drastically affect, you know, those projections on 538. If they beat Tennessee, they're up to a 75% chance to make the playoffs. If they lose to Tennessee, that drops down to a 32% chance. So right. a win is more valuable to them than, than a loss hurts them. What I'm fascinated by, though, is looking ahead two weeks where they travel to the Colts. Because the Colts this year are 4, 8, and 1. Mm-hmm. They have beaten three out of the four. AFC West teams. Yeah. They beat the Chiefs, obviously, 20 to 17 in week three. They beat the Broncos 12 to 9 in overtime in that Worst horrendous time. Thursday night football game in week five. And they beat the Raiders in Jeff Saturday's debut, the only game that Jeff Saturday has won in his four tries. Talk about three notable games there for the Colts. I, I mean, those are all three insane. It's, it is insane. And here we have the opportunity for the Colts to sweep the AFC West mm-hmm. and, and maybe finish with like five wins total. Yeah, and four of them against the FC West, which would be bananas. But like, if you think about the nature of those games, doesn't it feel like the Chargers are kind of ripe for, uh, yeah. for the Colts to complete the sweep? I yes, mean- it, it really does. I mean, the Colts seem to own the AFC West this year. The Chargers, as big as the game gets, they shrink. I mean, that's really what they do. That's their DNA of the team. That's been under Staley. That's so, I mean, yes, it does certainly feel like the Colts are going to try and, you know, I'm sure they would claim the AFC West title because they uh, sure, they swept the division. You know, right. good for them. But uh, yeah, that would be a really interesting. Um, you know, if the Colts were to beat the Chargers, there they basically would eliminate them from the playoffs. I mean, that'd be that'd be massive. 
Yeah, it would be crazy. And I think, you know, the other the other game that's kind of sneaky on that schedule, obviously the game against the Titans is important. We can pencil them in for a win against the Rams. I don't see how they lose that game. But, Agreed. you know, Baker, maybe maybe Baker, uh, maybe the pixie dust lasts a couple more weeks. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, this this final game of the season against the Broncos, who we're going to talk about in a minute, is, is sort of sneaky interesting because the Broncos have actually had a fair amount of success against the Chargers over the last couple of years, despite yeah. the Broncos being very bad football team especially defensively they they have done a very good job against herbert and the defense really not only is the defense very good this year but it's retained a lot of its dna from you know vic fangio um jiro evero's kind of running a very similar defense right with some some minor tweaks but they have the six they have had some success against herbert and the chargers in the past it's in denver you know nathaniel hackett probably can't save his job but he definitely can't save his job if he can't you know but if he goes in there and yeah. you know who knows what the broncos situation is going to be same with russell wilson like those guys are and we'll talk about it when we talk about the broncos game you know their their comeback in that game that's the only thing they have left to play for is yes. next right. year and beyond mm -hmm. is is mm -hmm. sort of demonstrating their value going forward and uh, boy, the Chargers are an ideal opponent to demonstrate your value against. <laughs> the Chargers have lost their last three matchups in Denver in 19, 20, and 21. So they're... Uh, Herbert's they're, never won there. Herbert's never won there. You know, he's never done a lot of stuff. He's never been to the playoffs. He's never been above 500 for his career. He's... Uh, for being a, a football god, he's uh, he's not very good at winning games. So, uh, so that's the division breakdown for all four of the divisions. And then if those percentages shook out the exact way that they're currently configured. That would be the bills at the one, the chiefs at the two, the Ravens would currently win the North and be the three, the Titans would be the four. And then the three wildcard teams are really interesting. The Bengals at five dolphins at six chargers at seven. And if those were the playoff matchups, of course, with the chargers at seven and the chiefs at two, that would be wildcard weekend chargers at chiefs with dolphins at Ravens and Bengals at Titans. I think of those three games, we said that the Titans are, I mean, the AFC South winner would be one and done. The Bengals definitely win that. I think dolphins at Ravens is interesting. It'd be um, a fun, fun rematch, really fun rematch of the big, big, big comeback. The dolphins had on the Ravens earlier this year, one of the many huge blown leads the Ravens had, but the dolphins, you know, would probably, uh, they'd like, a chance to not go down really big against the Ravens and have to come back there. And then of course, chargers chiefs. So I've got those just kind of looking, you know, in the future, I've got chiefs, dolphins and Bengals advancing in those games, which would set up division rounds, which are ridiculous dolphins at bills and Bengals at chiefs. What mm -hmm. a AFC playoff picture. This is, mm. I mean, those are the four best teams. Uh, I think, you know, obviously just looking ahead, I prefer not to play the chargers again. We went through this last year. It just yeah. is, you know, um, you see it every once in a while. We saw it in primetime on Sunday Night Football. Justin Herbert has these games where, you know, and and it seems to be every game against the Chiefs that he's playing out of his mind. And then, you know, I'll like look at his box score or I'll be watching, you know, the occasional primetime appearances that the Chargers have that aren't against the Chiefs. And like, like who, who is this guy? This guy sucks. <laughs> like, what is he doing? And then he plays, you know, a, a big match every once in a while or he plays against the Chiefs and he's, he certainly has the tools to be a, a demigod. So it'll be an interesting picture. We'll obviously keep an eye on this the next four weeks as we head towards the playoff. Stay tuned.
DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, place the same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN, place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN, minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Let's talk about this game that we were at this weekend. Week 14, Chiefs at Broncos. Chiefs 34, Broncos 26. What, <laughs> what happened? Okay, so What happened? We, we were... At this game, you traveled out to Colorado. This was our first time going to Mile High since Thursday Night Football in 2019 when Patrick Mahomes injured his knee. Uh, and it, it was 27 to nothing, and then it was 34 to 26. And it was a weird game, and the experience was weird. Just kind of talk me through it. It was weird. Uh, first of all, Mile High parking sucks. We oh, it was outrageous. Were, I never thought that I'd encounter a worse parking situation. Right? Than Arrowhead. But I mean, Arrowhead is like they we know where to go, but they yeah. don't have the people to organize the cars once you get there. Right. Mile high, you're driving around. First of all, there was no indicator that we needed to buy a a QR code ticket. Sure. Parking pass. For, so we went to a primetime game on a Thursday night in a downtown stadium three years ago, and we did not need one. No. We paid cash, and we got we right pulled in. right in. Exactly. And this time – And that was when the Broncos were semi-competitive. You know? This this is the, the Walmart ownership, that they, they want to squeeze every dollar out of this that they can, and they – they made us drive around and then they would tell us, oh, yeah, that lot M over there, they'll they'll take your money. Take and your then cash. we drive over to them and they're like, nah, bro, we don't even we don't even know what we're doing at all. So we started off pretty enraged, but we found a great school to support, yeah, we supported for a the cheap... local Montessori school. It was yep. great. Yep. And for a... None of, not a cent of that money went to the Broncos organization, which, <laughs> which is, which is exactly the way that we wanted it. So we walk in the stadium. We're feeling we're feeling pretty confident. We're feeling good. We're walking around and then we get up to our seats and. You know, the Chiefs, obviously, they start off. I just want to real quick, the the two first field goal drives were annoying because the Chiefs moved the ball between the 20s like we've seen them do a lot this year sure. and then got close and and had to settle for field goals. And that kind of set us, you know, our mood was low. And then the Chiefs felt like the Rams game felt a lot like the Rams game until the Chiefs decided to go ahead and, and crank it up and play awesome for them for a certain stretch and then they get up real big and we're partying. I'm saying that this is one of the best experiences I've ever had at a stadium ever. I mean, it was an absolute party and then it got sour. So it was really up and down. My whole, my vibes for this game were roller coaster. I mean, they were, we didn't really know what to feel at any certain point, but uh, you know, dubs a dub. Just a weird experience. It was strange. I just like, for me, my brain is just going to remember being up 27 to nothing. Willie Gay getting the pick six off of Russell Wilson and stiff arming him into the dirt. You know, mm -hmm. obviously the circus throw from Mahomes. Those are the things I'll remember. And I'll remember that this was 14 in a row and the rest of it. I could live without. That is completely fair. It was, uh, it was such a, it's such a battle in the AFC West. I, I know the chiefs have owned the division, but the number of laugher games that the chiefs have had in the division is very low. I mean, yeah, they, they all three of those teams, right. 
always give the Chiefs all, everything they can handle, and the Chiefs always come out about a score ahead. That's usually the way those all those games have gone, certainly in the Mahomes era. Um, and this was just one where when you're on the road in the division, just get out of there healthy with the win. Just survive in advance, exactly like you said earlier. I have no bad feelings about this game. I know a lot of people were really, really up in arms about either the play calling or Spags or Pat or who, whatever you have. But I just feel like in the NFL, it's so freaking hard to get a win that you've just got to, you've got to appreciate it a little bit more than I think Chiefs fans have some Chiefs fans. Yeah. Just to your point, the Chiefs four division wins this year, they're four and oh, three points, one point, three points, six points. Yep. So, you know, I mean, they've, they've been tense games. Some of those games haven't been quite as close to the final score, but let's get into the numbers, the figures. I'm just going to start off with, uh, I'm just going to hit you with the number uh, 2,648. That's the number of days that it has been since the Broncos mm -hmm. last beat the Chiefs. We've got the 14-game 14, 14 streak going, as we alluded to in the preview show. That is now six away from the all-time record of 20 straight by Miami over Buffalo the entire decade of the 1970s. So we're coming up on it. And it's it's a bummer that if the Chiefs get there, it won't be over a single decade because that's very funny to me. Yes. You know, you get 2013 to 2023. I mean, we're not we're not that far away, right? Like or 2015 to 2025, I should yes, say. Yes, correct. Uh, I was gonna say, I was like, that's that's not <laughs> that's next year. How can we do that? Yeah, yeah. Just to underscore what a long time that is in the NFL, uh, there are two current Chiefs who have lost a game to the Broncos that, that are on the roster that have experienced a loss to the Broncos as a member of the Chiefs. Those are Travis Kelsey and long snapper James Winchester. <laughs> the two and, longest tenure Chiefs, yeah, and sure. Conversely. There is one current Bronco who's beaten the Chiefs. That's been the case since Von Miller was traded last year. Brandon McManus, the kicker. He's the only one who has beaten the Chiefs as a member of the Broncos. We're talking about three guys from combined over 100 players on these two teams on the active rosters that, that have actually wild. witnessed a Broncos victory over the Chiefs. It's preposterous. And, I mean, obviously, we covered the death list last week. Um, you know, tons and tons and tons of people have since passed away since the last Broncos win, but I really liked um, uh, somebody pointed out on Twitter, dang it, I'll have to remember who it was and shout you out on Twitter, but there's a reverse death list, so to speak, of a study that said there have been a billion people plus born on earth since 2015. Oh so, you know, an eighth of the population literally has never been alive for <laughs> the Chiefs to lose to the Broncos. That so, is crazy. Really, really, really funny. Um, I just want to, kind of step back for a second before we dive into this game and just talk about Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and how good they are at winning football games. Because at the end of the day, that's really the only thing that matters is how many times can you win? There are just a couple standings that I want to talk about where they place um, since they've started with the Chiefs. First part is Andy Reid in overall games in the NFL, regular season and postseason, since the start of 2013, no team has won at a higher clip than the Chiefs. The, the Chiefs have a 701 win percentage. They are 122 and 52 since the start of 2013. Mm -hmm. So his whole 10 years that he's been here. And obviously, being on top of the NFL, winning the most games in the NFL, that's the only thing any fan base could ever ask for. Second place is New England. They are a game behind. They're 122 and 53. And it just... It underscores it. You know, New England is the greatest dynasty in professional sports history, and the Chiefs in the last 10 years have won more games than them. That's all Andy Reid. He's the best. Um, the other thing I want to point out just among those is in division games. So, obviously, 
and he's been great in outside division games if he leads the NFL in win percentage. But in division games, the Chiefs in Andy's time are 45 and 13 in the AFC West. The next closest team is four games worse than that. The Dallas Cowboys, which I would have expected hmm. to be the New England Patriots, but the Dallas Cowboys are 41 and 17 in the NFC East. And so four games clear of the second best team in division football games is just it's mind-blowing. I mean, it shows that Andy's only lost 13 games against the division in 10 years. He's He owns the West. And then, of course, you know, those are since 13, and then they become pretty hilarious also when you look at since 18 with Mahomes starting. And again, win percentage in all games from 18 to 22, number one in the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs, are 68 and 21. The next most wins in the NFL after 68, Take a, take a stab at who you, th or not maybe who, but what the number is of number of wins second most after the Chiefs 68. Uh, 60? 55. Oh my God. So the Chiefs have 13 more wins under Patrick Mahomes. That's and good. that's the Rams, by the way. And that's because this includes postseason games. And they obviously made two Super Bowl runs in that time. And they've been, the Rams have been a great team, but the Rams Until are 50. This year. Right. Yeah, I mean, right. You know. Right. The Rams are 55 and 32 and the Chiefs are 68 and 21. I mean, it's just, it's preposterous. Baltimore has the second best winning percentage at 646. The Chiefs are at 764, 13% higher. So, so once Mahomes got here, they obviously cranked it up to another level. They caught all the teams, you know, New England's eighth in win percentage since Mahomes got here because uh, somebody left in New England. But um, yeah, so Mahomes and then, of course, road division games where and this is since 2018 so it doesn't include the one road division game in 17 that Mahomes won but the Chiefs are 14 and 0 in road division hmm. games it, since 2018 and New Orleans is in second place at 12 and 3 so sure they have the Chiefs have zero the next closest is 3 it's just these two guys i just want to underscore this how often they win how important it is to win games. It's really the only thing that matters. I mean, Herm said you play to win the game and it's true. Like they, at the end of the day, the stats and the, you know, the MVP and all that stuff, like that's all great and fun, but you just want a team that's, that's going to chalk up more wins than anybody else. And please, please, please appreciate how good at that job Pat and Andy have been. Incredible. Incredible. So of course this game had as, as many of the chief system, uh, factors as most games have ever had. Uh, and that's no exception. Of course, chief system is create drama, handle adversity, inspire hope, engage physically, finish strong, separate entirely. That's the chief system. And the chief started this out. They certainly, I consider the created drama to be the pregame drama, the 13 winning streak coming in, you and I in attendance, potential AFC West clinching scenario if the Chargers would have lost that night, Mahomes um, undefeated in the road games, road division games, et cetera. The, the drama here was palpable, right? Like it was a, it was very, the, whenever the Chiefs and Broncos play, it's dramatic. Yeah, I mean, it was it was dramatic. Well, I'm going to talk about um, I made an exception in my award segment and I'll talk about the Broncos fan base. But, you know, we got to uh, we got to experience some of our uh, local talk radio here. You got to uh, hear the incomparable <laughs> uh, Derek Wolf talk about, you He's know, so uh, bad Leo DiCaprio and the Revenant and uh, you know, <laughs> just all kinds of other stuff. Right. I mean, it was uh, it was amazing. But yes, I I feel like that's completely appropriate to create drama, even where. There should have been none. Uh, yeah, it, it certainly had some stakes coming into it. Yeah, and then handle adversity. Um, 
because this game was such an up and down, the Chiefs jump out big and then the Broncos come back, I considered handling the adversity to be handling the adversity of being on the road with all the, you know, the stress and the stakes and all that stuff. And to be able to jump out to that huge 27 nothing lead, of course, underscored by uh, the inspiring hope moment of the no-look underhanded toss to McKinnon. That was an absolute highlight reel of highlight reels on the Mahomes-Canton highlight reel. Um it, as inspiring of a play as that was, is it is it is it getting old hat to see Mahomes do this crazy stuff? I mean, is it is it to the point where when he does that, you're just like, yep, that's Mahomes, or are you still as blown away by it as I would say I was? No, I mean it was it was great. I mean, as you said, uh, the pass to McKinnon, that's like a no look underhand fifty six yard <laughs> touchdown pass, which is preposterous. And honestly, yeah. like, I, I mean. Again, I think uh, our old colleague uh, Jordan Foot pointed this out on Twitter. Like, you got for years, you know, people pushing back against the idea that we'd never seen anybody do this before. They'd be like, "Oh, you know, Aaron Rodgers has done that. Brett Favre's mm -hmm. thrown a left-handed pass. Stafford, you know, right. Stafford's thrown a no-look pass. You know, Aaron Rodgers can throw a fifty-yarder on a rollout on a bomb. You know, when he's scrambling, whatever. Right? Like." Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever seen anybody make a play like that. That was pretty wild. Just the combination of, you know, throwing it underhand, essentially throwing it no look, it, it, the proximity to the defenders being able to scramble out. It just is, uh, we haven't seen anything like it. It's uh, it's ridiculous. It's, it's unprecedented one of one. He certainly inspired a lot of hope with that play. Um, engaged physically, I've got the season high six sacks. Uh, the, the sacks came from Chris Jones, Mike Dana, Frank Clark, George Karlaftis, and Juan Thornhill each had one, and then a split sack from Darius Harris and new defensive tackle Brandon Williams. Uh, just the ability for the Chiefs to really, really give the Broncos a lot of pressure. Um, the Chiefs have gotten to the quarterback this year. They are, you know, they've obviously sacks have not been much of an issue. It's really been big time sacks. It's been sacks in big moments. Um, you saw them come up short against Burrow uh, several times in the loss there. But in this game, I felt like a lot of Broncos drives were shut down when the Broncos would go, drop back to pass, especially Russell Wilson. He just felt he just looked like he didn't know what he was doing out there. And he looked like he would panic a lot. And the Chiefs got home, you know, more often than uh, they have at all this year. That is certainly worthy of engaging physically. They were um, the defensive line and then you know, Thornhill out of the secondary uh, with the sack there. They were they were certainly physical in this game. Um, finished strong after the fourth quarter touchdown with 10:49 to cut it to six. Uh, the Chiefs' offense went three and out, and you know things were things were dicey. The Broncos had the ball back. The defense forced their own three and out, which was part of the finishing strong. And then after Mahomes threw a pick, the defense finished more st <laughs> more strongly and more got strongly. it right back on a speed pick. The stronger, more strongest, and uh, got it back on a Sneed pick. And really, the last two possessions there by the Chiefs defense, the three and out and the pick, were so, so, so needed because the offense just looked like they weren't really going to figure it out for the rest of that game. The, the Broncos defense was dialed in. And, you know, that's complimentary football that the Chiefs don't always display, but they displayed it in spades there, being able for the defense to pick the offense up after the offense had been sputtering and and – turning it over and stuff in the, the defense really, really finished strong there. And then finally, of course, you can't finish strong without separating entirely the S the final drive of the game after the 
the Chiefs got the ball back from the pick. Uh, the offense went 10 plays, 49 yards in the final four minutes and 21 seconds of the game. There was a third and 11 that went for 20 yards to Marquez Valdez-Gantling for his first catch of the game. Jerk McKinnon had six carries on that drive, but Isaiah Pacheco, massive on the final run. It was second and 10, 10 big tough yards where he got hit about five yards into it. Uh, very Kyle Brandt angry run looking play there. Game clinching first down, sealed it, separated entirely. That, of course, is the chief system. It always applies. It always applies in victories, and this was a victory, so it applied. Let's talk about our awards, dish out some awards. As uh, those of you who are familiar know, we have our five-star men. Obvious. Our trash men. I'm the trash man. I come out, I throw trash all over the, all over the ring, and then I start eating garbage. Also fairly self-explanatory, our wild cards. Wild card, bitches! Yeah! Which are capable of anything. My five-star man, uh, certainly there are some candidates here. Uh, thought about giving Trey Smith some love. He uh, had the old, the old double drop on yeah. uh, Jarek McKinnon's second touchdown in the red zone where he killed not one, but two separate players uh, blocking on that play. Um, certainly, you know, there were some guys that deserved it. Obviously, you mentioned six players with sacks. I'm going to go with the defensive player. I'm going to go with Willie Gay. We mentioned the Mahomes touchdown, but to me, just as memorable probably from this game is the pick six. And, yeah. you know, you don't see very often. There's a lot of things that I liked about this play. Obviously, very athletic uh, for Willie to bat the ball, pop it up in the air, go up and get it, and then to take it to the house. The component of this play that I enjoyed the most, because you so <laughs> rarely get to see it, is the part where he stiff-armed Russell yeah. Wilson into the dirt and took <laughs> his soul and yeah. took his life. Because you so rarely get to see quarterbacks get hit like that without it being a penalty. And this is one yeah. of the few situations in which you're allowed to do whatever you want. At this point, he's a, essentially a defensive player trying to tackle you. All bets are off. And he took the opportunity to take Russell Wilson's soul and stiff arm it into the dirt. And it was amazing. And that alone is deserving of a five-star man award. Yeah, he was, uh, I mean, that play was incredible. And really the, the highlight of the whole day because that's when the 27th point was scored. That's when they cut to Kelsey on the sideline having his right. big shit eating grin. I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a really nice moment. That was fun. I'm going to pick Trent McDuffie, another defensive player there. Uh, two completions against him on six targets for only eight total yards on an average depth of target of 19. So it's not like they were just dinking and dunking. They were trying to go deep on Trent and he wasn't having it. Uh, he currently leads all rookie defensive backs in completion percentage targeting him. So uh, he's he's had a great year, very worthy of a first-round selection. He did, in this game, give up the one of the three Judy touchdowns on one of those short ones. But, I mean, Judy was kind of doing whatever he wanted in that game. And, and really, uh, McDuffie was fantastic, and he's been fantastic. And I don't know – I don't remember if we've rewarded him a uh, five-star man yet, but uh, I thought he was certainly worthy in this game. Yeah, he played he played a good game. We're turning to our trashman here, and it's sort of ironic that we both picked defensive players in this game, given my pick. Yeah. Here. I'm picking specs. And I I haven't had a chance to go back and watch the game again or see the all twenty two. We were in the upper deck, so at least you get some idea of what's going on with the <laughs> We basically watched the all twenty two live. We did watch the all twenty two live, but 
little bit tougher to do and analyze in real time, especially when you're firing off angry tweets as the Chiefs, <laughs> you know, uh, chip away that lead to the Broncos. I, I get that there were some execution mistakes here. Uh, the offense gave you a couple of short fields, but this was a Broncos team that came in with a season high in points scored of 23 against the Raiders, who are mm-hmm. awful on defense. Awful. And you were up 27 to nothing, and it was a it was a one score game throughout the entire fourth quarter, essentially. And that just isn't going to work. I, I I get that there's execution mistakes. I get that. And on some level, like I think that, again, I haven't gone back to, to watch the film from this game. So this is a little bit more of a hunch um, based on what we were able to observe in real time. You know, I think like the thing about Spags is his style of, of defense, which is more of an attacking defense, a blitzing defense. I mean, we saw it work in this game, six sacks. Mm-hmm. There were a number of plays, especially in the first half. And even in the second half where Russell Wilson, who to be fair is very vulnerable to this type of pressure uh, was just, I mean, it was instant. It was in his face. And he, there was nothing that he could do yeah. at this stage of his career. I think it's a really effective style play to get play against Russell Wilson, but by playing it, all the time throughout the game, even with a 27 nothing lead, you are inviting the possibility of them hitting a couple of big plays. And while it didn't affect the outcome of this game, because Russell Wilson at this stage Sucks. of his career is more susceptible to getting burned by that than the defense is to getting burned by him. Mm-hmm. It, it, it manifested itself a little bit. And I really like, I'm, I was disappointed that, the big touchdown from Marlon Mack of all people, you know, coming mm-hmm. out at the start of the second half. I mean, the chiefs had the Broncos in a horrible down and distance and they give up like a 70 yard screen pass for a touchdown. I mean, like out of halftime, the first drive out of halftime, second and 14. And he goes for 66 on like 10 missed tackles. You can't. And I get that that part of that's execution, but you just can't do that coming out of halftime I, I against a team that, that that is this bad. So Steve Spagnuolo gets my trash man award. What about you? I'm going to go with the opposite side of the ball. Same, same reasoning, same the kind of vibes. Staff. Yeah. You know, um, since we don't really know what the split between Andy and EB is on any given game or drive or play, as far as decision-making, I'm just going to lump them in together and say my trash man is Andy EB. Uh, their first two drives, it, it was fourth and four from the 17 and then fourth and three from the 27. I'd like to see, I'd like to see the chiefs go for that. I think especially yeah. given the potency of their offense, giving setting the tone early in a game. Um, I don't think either of those were plays that they should have been kicking field goals, but they did take field goals. So after two drives, they're up six, nothing instead of, you know, the, the effectiveness felt like it should have been a 14, nothing. I mean, and point. even if they only make one of those two, yes, it's still seven instead of six. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. If you have a 50% conversion rate on that, you're still going, going up ahead, but they kicked on both of those. So I thought they, they started off, you know, not nearly aggressive enough. And then the effectiveness of the running game for the chiefs is both something that drives me nuts because they can't do it and drives me nuts because they won't do it. Either of those is is crazy. So they had two total rushes on those first two drives where they went up six nothing. They then rushed one time on their third drive. And so after three drives, they only had three rush attempts. Their fourth drive, they kind of figured it out. They had five rushes for 33 yards. Um the Chiefs then ended up going up 27 nothing on the pick six. And then they only had six total rushes 
for the rest of the game until the final drive. So That's for the crazy. seven drives, Pacheco went for three yards, then five, then two yards, McKinnon for four, Michael Burton zero on a terrible third down attempt where everyone sniffed out this fullback dive. Every single team, it's just not doing it the way it used to. Uh, McKinnon then went for three, and that was all the rush attempts until the final drive of the game where the Chiefs had to run the game out, and they did so. They they ran the ball. McKinnon ran it six times. Pacheco iced it with the 10-yard run. I mean, so whether they can't or won't run the football, whichever it is, despite running being obviously less effective and cool than passing, when you can't do it at all or you don't do it at all, it still hampers the, the passing game. It's not, you know, nobody's clamoring for the Chiefs to run it 40 times a game, but just the balance to be able to take some pressure off of the passing game and to be able to run block and get the offensive line knocking into the defensive line and being the aggressors and all that stuff that comes with establishing the run. I don't think establishing the run is a, it, I, I think it gets a bad rap because I think boomers, football boomers use it to say that you need to run the football more than you pass or all the time or, or establish, you know, lean on the run game. You just need it to work. You just need it to be effective so that play action passes are effective and so that you can move the ball and get easy yardage. And the Chiefs just, they either can't run or they just decide not to. And either one is just infuriating. So Andy and EB are my trash men. Yeah, it's 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 weird too, given the nature of the turnovers in this game. Obviously, with the three picks from Mahomes, can't throw an interception if you're handing the ball off. Obviously, there's other bad things that can happen. You can fumble the ball, which the Chiefs sure. have loved to do off and on. But a lot of times, it's been receivers that have fumbled the ball. Sure, it, it has been, and there's not really any reason to think that McKinnon. I think just had one of his first lost fumbles of his career his charges, earlier. Yeah, yeah right. earlier this year, uh, and Pacheco hasn't really had you know, notable fumbling issues, but yeah, it is, uh, it is a little frustrating uh, that the chiefs don't seem to run the ball when they can or when they should let's turn to our wild cards. And I'm going a little off script here and I'm picking the Broncos fan base. This was a, this was a, just a weird game. That is, it was a true wild card performance from Broncos fans. They showed up to this game in surprising quantities. I mean, mm -hmm. there were a lot of no-shows. They showed it on the big board. They're obviously claiming a sellout because all the tickets technically were purchased. But I think there were six or 8,000 no-shows, you know, a, a fair number of empty seats, but still a, a reasonably full stadium. There were more Broncos fans there than Chiefs fans, which, yes. again, isn't terribly surprising. We're talking about, unless it's in Los Angeles and we're talking about a fan base that has no fans like the Chargers, you don't see that happen very often where – there's more opposing fans, more road fans in the stadium. But I was a little bit surprised by that, given the direction that these two teams are going in. And, you know, it's a December game and it's in the middle of the afternoon. Um, yeah, and they've been furious with their team. Yeah. I mean, not only, you know, has their team sucked, but they expected them to be really good. And yes. whenever you have that kind of volatility with a fan base, I mean, we've seen that throughout the NFL where fans just get sick of it and they just stop showing up. But the Broncos showed up. So this is what I was about to get at. I appreciate that transition because it was a an apathetic fan base that still came to the game. It was weird. It's like they showed up and they were there, but they didn't they didn't really boo a whole lot. They did no. some, usually on third down when Russell Wilson's getting sacked, you know, instead mm -hmm. of throwing the ball away or, you know, whatever he's trying to pick do. Pick six, they booed pretty loud. Sure. They, they booed that pretty loudly. But they didn't they didn't leave. Nope. Right. Like nobody left before halftime. They didn't really do anything. They're just kind of there. They're just mm -hmm. sort of inert. And then they score one touchdown 
when they're down 27 to nothing and they start losing their minds. Yes. And then they score another touchdown and another touchdown. And at that point, I mean, they were really feeling it. They're and, rocking. And I feel like in the second half, you know, when it was a one score game. So this, this kind of makes sense. I mean, at that point they did become angry at the product, right? Like yeah. it's no longer apathy. It's yes. turned back to anger. You give yes. us hope Good and boy. now you're snatching it away with your poor play that we knew was coming. We, we knew that you were capable of this. This is what you've been showing us for three months. But now you're in a situation where you could have won the game, but you didn't. They became angry again. Mm-hmm. They were there the whole game, but they were just a very chaotic presence. It was very bizarre. And I will say they were pretty cordial to us. I mean, yeah, like even when the really game cordial. was close, when it shouldn't have been, you know, they weren't really talking shit. They I mean, almost became more nice. Yeah, when the game was close sure, because right. they like, I and don't we, know. I, we had to tone it down a notch, obviously, because then at that point it's <laughs> we like, were, Ooh, <laughs> yeah, we, we got to, we went we from celebrating and, and, you know, doing the tomahawk chop in the stands and all that stuff to uh, being pretty subdued ourselves. But you're right. They were, um, they were fine and good and, and not really at all the experience that, I mean, not even the experience that we had last time in right. Thursday right. football, where there were a couple people that, were infuriating to us in that game. Know, that was only three years ago. I mean, like we're talking about that was still when the streak was at 10 plus games. Their quarterback mm-hmm. was Joe Flacco. Yep. I mean, like their, yep. co- their coach was Vic Fangio and they were, <laughs> and they were what, like four and five or like they were, it they had like a losing record seven. Cause it was in October. Yeah. And yeah, like, yeah, they, they were, were like three and four or something mm-hmm, like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they, and they were not, not fun to be around. And this time I no, think they were, they were, they were a, aggressive (laughs) sometimes yeah right sometimes in this game it felt like they wanted to complain about the broncos with us they they wanted to be like you know like when uh when hackett called the timeout at the end of the first half and the chiefs had the ball and he was trying to save time for their offense which ended up working but it shouldn't have and it was a bad decision and i mean the guy next to me big broncos fan was like can we just fire this guy now? And he like looked at me and laughed. Like, this is what we're dealing with. It was right. like, he wanted like some sympathy from us. Sure. And I was kind of like, yeah, man, I mean, this dude sucks. Like, sucks I, to be you. Yeah. Right. 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 I mean, it was overall, it was a, uh, it was a good, it was a good Broncos fan showing, but we still obviously um, hate them the most of all time. <laughs> exactly. So my wild card is, a guy that's gotten wild card for the Chiefs a couple times throughout sure. his illustrious career, and sure. and the capable of anything is really what you have to remember because yeah, right. he is capable of anything, and most of those things he's capable of are miracles. And of course, I'm talking about Patrick Levon Mahomes the uh, second. In this game, if I had just told you that the Chiefs scored 34 and Patrick was 28 of 42 for 352 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, not only is that a great game, but it's also an average game. It's both average and great because it's great for a quarterback. It's average for Patrick, but good against the Broncos defense, really good against the Broncos defense. They are a tricky, tricky bunch um, on the road, all that stuff. But then you factor in the three picks and, and for me also zero rush attempts. He had three kneels, but zero rush attempts is something that Patrick's not as effective when he's not threatening the defense with his legs. And you know, it was just kind of the the picks were two unbelievable or three unbelievable plays. They really or the third one was into traffic. The first two were unbelievable. And Josie Jewell snatched one um, coming back towards the ball that was behind him um, and and really grabbed it out of the air. And then Pat Sertan yeah. 
gets his hand under one that sure. you it's know was play. it was a great play. They were they're great defenders and they they made good plays, but they were still unfortunate decisions. They were still unfortunate execution by Mahomes. They didn't put it you know where he's supposed to, like he always does. And then the third one into triple coverage when you're protecting a six point lead in the fourth quarter. That was just, that was inexcusable. That was a, that was really, that was one where on the day he got drafted, if that was the only play you showed someone, they'd sure. be like, how's this guy in the NFL? Like, right. Like I'm, I'm going to fast forward and I'm going to show you what his yeah. NFL career looks like. Yeah. In the future. And, and that's what they thought his NFL career would look like. Right. A lot of those types of plays, a lot of the gunslinger, you know, bad Brett Favre when he's bad, that type of stuff. But, you know, fortunately, Mahomes more often than he's Brett Favre, he's Aaron Rodgers. So that, so it's except for his personal life, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Mahomes, I mean, you don't want to be Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers. No, no, no. That Green is, Bay quarterbacks that is, are, that are is a wild lose, bunch. Lose. That is a no win scenario. <laughs> That's there. a great point. I, I, uh, I don't know which one is the worst uh, public enemy right now. They're both, yeah, uh, they're, they're both just terrible. They're both just terrible. I guess the guy that, yeah, the, for money yeah, is, yeah, that guy's worse. But it's I mean, worse than just you know taking drugs and being a weirdo. But, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, but, right. You know. Anyways, Patrick, you're my wild card. I love you, buddy. But uh, the three picks got to clean them up. All right. Well, we have one more thing to do on this show, and that is preview a football game that is taking place in Week 15 of this National Football League season in Houston, Texas, where the 10 and three Kansas City Chiefs tied for the best record in the AFC. We'll go to face the 1-11-1 Houston Texans, who not only have the worst record in the NFL, have the worst record in the NFL by almost two full games. I, the only reason I hesitated there is because the tie, the tie is yeah. weird. The second worst teams in the NFL, who are also the only other two teams to be mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, are the Bears, who are 3-10, and 10, and the Broncos, who are also 3-10, mm -hmm. uh, which... Just, you know, we'll get one more dig in on the Broncos. How bad do you have to be to be eliminated Pretty with those bad. two teams at Pretty this point bad. in the season? But listen, uh, Texans are as bad as their record would indicate. They are 32nd in DVOA. That is last. They are 31st in offensive DVOA ahead of the Colts. Uh, they are 20th in defensive DVOA. They are 5th in special teams DVOA. So, you know, they've got that going for them. Uh of course, we mentioned the Colts already on this podcast. The 31st ranked team in DVOA overall right now is the Colts, who the Chiefs did lose to. But And the Texans tied them. And the Texans tied them. They're very bad. But listen, I saw your jokes when I posted the injury report. Right. Get it. Everybody made the same joke. The joke is that the Chiefs are going to play down. This is going to be a one-score game, whatever. I mean, it, it might be. I'm not going to say that it definitely will not happen because that could happen. Anything can happen. The world could end tomorrow. But sure. listen to this injury report. Nico Collins, probably out. Brandon Cooks, probably out. Damian Pierce, definitely out. Steven Nelson, Derek Stingley, probably not playing. The dreaded Taylor Stallworth revenge game. <laughs> former Chiefs practice squad all-star. Ten, day, ten days ago, he was a Chief. Ten, yeah. ten days ago, 2022. Uh, also trending towards not happening. He has a calf. He did not practice on Thursday. Their wide receivers in this game are going to be Chris Moore who I just picked up in our dynasty league where we have 30 man rosters. I figured, you know, about that. why not 29 year old Chris <laughs> yeah. Moore? 
Yeah. He had like 15 points in. I've looked at him every week, and every, every week, week I see his age, and I decide. No, I mean, why would you? But I dropped uh, Dante Pettis to get him, so you oh, know, whatever. It's just never gonna, never gonna happen for him. No. Philip Dorsett and Amari Rogers. They're quarterbacks in this game, and they did use two quarterbacks last week, yes. by the way, which was yeah. weird. As a plan, yep. As a plan on purpose in the year 2022 in the National Football League, Davis Mills or Jeff Driscoll, or maybe both. Who knows? Davis Mills ranks 31st out of 33 in QBR this season. He is ahead of Carson Wentz and Baker Mayfield. So those are the only quarterbacks that have been worse mm. than Davis Mills. His QBR bad. is 32.8. Mahomes is the current NFL leader. He's at 77.9. So that is out of a hundred point scale. Mahomes is the leader at 77.9. Again, Davis Mills, 32.8. Jeff Driscoll does not qualify. He's thrown six passes this year. He threw zero last year. He's one and eight in nine career starts. I mean, this is going to be a walkover. Uh, The Chiefs are definitely going to win this game. There's there's a 0% chance the Chiefs lose this game. Could it be closer than it should be? Sure, of course. That happens, but... What do you want to see in this game? Look, first of all, to address the closeness of the game, there is no stat that depicts closeness of games more than point differential. Right? Sure. That's right. that's the definition of the closeness. Correct. And the Chiefs are currently second in the AFC, fifth in the NFL in point differential at plus 86 points on the season. Pretty good. And to surprise of no one, the one and eleven and one Houston Texans are dead last in the NFL at minus 103 point differential and second is the Colts at minus 89. So they're a good 14 points, two touchdowns worse than the second worst team in point differential. So yes, I heard the jokes too, that this is a huge mismatch on paper and therefore the chiefs will definitely keep this game close, but it's just not likely like, you know, whenever the chiefs blow out a team that they should blow out, no one goes back and they think like, you know, oh yeah, that that blowout was real surprising and cool and whatever. They just think right. that was what they were supposed to do. And then when they don't blow out a team, which by the way in the NFL you do not blow out 100 percent of the teams are supposed NFL to blow out. Games are statistically closer than they have ever been in 2022 than they've ever been in NFL history. And they're and the NFL statistically is a close sport. I mean, the the gap between the best and worst teams is very very small. It just is. That's the nature of the salary cap and and how the the league is structured, which we're all very thankful for. But the Chiefs, they're they're going to blow the Texans out. I'm going to say it. Like they're they're going to do it. They're going to do it. Absolutely, I have no doubt in my mind. Um, this is a massive mismatch. Yeah. So for us, what we want to see, I mean, obviously a win. Obviously, no injuries for me. Selfishly, um, I'm starting Travis Kelsey against you in our cutthroat final, and uh, he's been a little quiet for me the last couple of weeks. So you know. I want Travis to have a, a get right game after a quiet couple of weeks. I mean, you know, he cleared 10,000 yards fastest tight end to do that fifth tight end ever to do that um, fastest one to reach the 10,000 yard mark. We didn't, even mention, we didn't even mention that. No, the goat, but you know, I'd like to see him uh, score a couple of tutties and, you know, nice casual 100, 120 yards in there. Um, and, you know, again, victory, no injuries. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, victory, no injuries, obviously, number one from here on out. That's what the Chiefs need every week. Uh, Hugely selfishly for me as well, I need big weeks from Mahomes and Kelsey and McKinnon. Mahomes, I have 
in Cutthroat against you and in my dynasty or our dynasty league. Kelsey, I do have going in the dynasty playoffs this week as well. And I'm starting Jerk McKinnon. So I'm starting three of my seven spots are Chiefs. Sure. Um, I am hoping the Chiefs feast on this horrible, horrible Houston team with no players and no reason to win. And really, I mean, Houston. You know, Houston they, doesn't want to win this game. They don't. They they no. want to get that number one pick. And like, there's no reason that Houston should go out into this game and do anything remotely resembling winning a football game. Which, by so, the way, is a different scenario from the Broncos because yes, the Broncos don't have, don't, don't have their first round pick mm-hmm. and are trying to save their jobs. And the Texans yes. are trying to get the number one pick and clinch that, which they probably would with the loss. I guess it's close the bears they are a game and a half back so yeah, they, they, yeah. Need, they need a couple more losses to clinch but i mean you right. know what right. better scenario to to you know lose a game than against Patrick. yeah i mean this is a this is a must lose game for the for the texans i it know uh, must win games come up all the time there is no reason that the texans should have any desire to win this game correct well, we will see you guys next week to recap a blowout victory for the chiefs it's always sunny in chiefs kingdom mm-hmm.